Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hello and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the greater Vancouver area. The intention of this podcast is to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle. I'm 42 and expecting baby number two, while my son, Alexandre, is one and a half years old. Today on Parent Talk, we are talking about common children's skin rashes. Let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. Hey everyone, Heather Fox here, co-host of Parent Talk. I am 40 years old and my son Hudson is also a year and a half. Hi everyone, my name is Dr. Sarah Wolkin and I'm a naturopathic doctor in North Van at North Shore Wellness Center. Um, my claim to fame though is truly my son who's seven, Ty, and my daughter Violet who's five. It's just so great to raise them in the same place I work and I look forward to chatting with you today. Well, thank you ladies for being here. Uh, Sarah, uh, I feel there's so many type of rashes out there. Where do we start with all those rashes? It's a really good question. And man, some of these rashes, the way they present can be really alarming, especially for a new mom or new dad that have no idea. And because there's a number of causes, I hope to help um, simplify some of that, maybe looking out for some more red flag serious causes or just things you might not even consider can cause a rash and be benign and safe. So... I guess the best way to start, all kids that enter school or in daycare, they're going to get sick. Um, one of the most common viral um, infections that causes rashes is um, roseola in fatum. And this rash can be quite alarming. Um, I remember when Ty, my son, was, I think he was only one year old and new parent, and he had a crazy fever for a few days, typically three to five days, and it can get better and come back. And you know, the typical symptoms of being sick with a runny nose, etc., irritable, tired. All of a sudden, his fever subsided. He's getting better. We're out of the woods. And boom, he just broke out in a full body rash. He wasn't bothered. It's not itchy. It was kind of very faint, pink and red. Well, new mom, rush off to emergency, hang out in the ER for eight hours, I think. Oh, God. <laughs> just to be sent home, like, duh. I mean, disclaimer, anything weird, parents, obviously go to a medical profession, whoever that is for you, your doctor, hospital, that's why they're there. However, it's very benign rash, and it's just sort of the reaction at the end of this particular virus. Um, another common, oh, just as an aside, um, a little detail is 86% of children will have this by one. So it's a little nice tidbit to look out for. Just can't, the only treatment really because of it's a virus as well is supportive dehydration, support with um, water and electrolytes, of course, rest. And those are all viral rashes you're talking about? The ones I'm going to talk about are viral rashes. Right now, okay. Yeah. Um, the common, I'm just touching on the common. I mean, we could have a whole very long podcast about different infections. Um, but now we're just going to focus on ones that you're probably guaranteed to see at some point in your kid's, you know, childhood. So secondly is our Norwalk virus. This is the parvovirus. 
And this one's interesting because it occurs in stages. So maybe your child comes home from school and it looks like some kid slapped him in the face on both sides. It is called the slap cheek rash. So it really is fiery red on both cheeks is the first stage. It's contagious. So keep him home or her home. And then as it kind of lightens up a bit, it'll appear in the legs and arms. And the third stage, which is really interesting and curious about this rash, and I think an important little tidbit, is it can recur with local irritation or trauma or heat. Maybe they get a fever, have a hot bath, or just emotional stress. That rash might reappear despite that child pretty much being not contagious anymore. And again, the treatment is supportive with rest and staying home and lots of snuggles. Just as an aside, with the parvovirus, because diarrhea is common and can be a concern, we do want to be a little bit more conscientious and aware of any symptoms for, you know, more severe dehydration. And that's when you would need to seek medical help is just like your child hmm, is not urinating. The, the diapers either are a little more dry than usual or your toddler is not firing off to the bathroom. Just kind of keep an eye on that. Or skin turgor, which is when you sort of just pinch like on the top of the hand, the skin, it's called tenting. And if it kind of stays for longer than like a a second, then that's a sign of dehydration. And we just want to consider, and they're not going to want to drink too much, but we just have to keep little sips throughout the day, small meals, and consider even sort of your own home remedy of an electrolyte balance. Also, if, you know, for whatever reason, There has been antibiotics, or I would consider a probiotic after the course of medication, because probiotics can treat um, diarrhea as well by reducing the fluid volume. And other vitamins are vitamin A and zinc, which can help um, reduce the amount of diarrhea and help help basically help the GI lining recover too, because those little viruses have done some damage there. And then with the viral rashes, lastly, I'm going to touch on measles just for completion. Because of our um, vaccines, most of kids, I know I am myself, have been vaccinated over the years for measles, mumps, rubella. It's a combination vaccine. However, because there have been some outbreaks um, in the last few years, uh, I think back in 2014, there was one in Chilliwack. I could be getting that wrong. But there were about 100 kids that got measles, and measles can be life-threatening. So although it's not huge on our radar, what you want to look for, again, fever, red eyes, runny nose, sore throat, that's all the common stuff. But if you look in your child's throat and there's something called coplic spots and there are white spots in the throat, that's kind of an indication of measles. This needs to be, you need to stay on top of it. Again, it's supportive treatment, but I would seek out health care for this just for the complications. Also, this rash will have spots beginning behind the ears, along the hairline, and it takes a pattern where it spreads over the rest of the body slowly over a period of few days. And um, yeah, that, that one is a more dangerous, so I would stay on top of that. Another interesting note, if your child is one of those kids that keeps getting sick, they're eating right, they're sleeping, but these reoccurrent colds, I always feel like, hmm, what's, what's their digestion like? You know, many don't know that 70% of our immune system lies in our GI mucosa. So if they are having poor digestion, those um, pathogens can kind of slip in through the cracks and get into our bloodstream. It's called leaky gut, or it's a term some of us use. 
in that case, we want to repair that. And the most common um, nutrient we use is called glutamine. And glutamine is an abundant amino acid, and it fuels these intestinal cells. It will help repair the cells and repair from the damage of the, you know, the previous infections that have kind of torn them apart, hopefully preventing um, this child that gets recurrent viruses from you know, continuing there. Something to look at and um, hopefully get to the bottom of it. And so other, that's just a little touch on viruses. Have your kids ever shown up with something scary? Um, yeah, Hudson ended up with having rhodesiola. He was at about 10 months old and it did start with that really high fever and being only, you know, just 10 months old with a fever of about 104. Wow. Um, it did end up bringing us to the ER just after three days of having that super high fever. Um, the doctor there was like, yeah, it's a virus. We hadn't, of course, had any rash yet. So we weren't diagnosed with rhodesiola at that point. So he did do a chest x-ray on Hudson just because he did have a bit of a cough and just those other type cold type um, symptoms. Um, that came up clear, so that gave me a little peace of mind at least. But then, yeah, within the next 24 hours, the fever kind of disappeared. And all of a sudden we had a little bout of diarrhea and pow, there was hmm. the rash. And I was like, and I'd done enough reading up on different things and yep, textbook Rosula. So we weren't heading off to ER, but I just, you know, took him to the family doctor just to kind of have it on his file and just to kind of confirm that this was what it was. And he's like, yeah, looks like a classic case. And, you know, and obviously just fluids and rest and cuddles and all those good things. But definitely the hardest thing that we've been through, just seeing him that sick and just not his own, you know, vibrant little personality and just so lethargic, just lying there. And oh, it yeah. was heartbreaking. Scary but yeah, for the first time. Definitely. Yeah. And your child, if goes to any school or daycare, is guaranteed to probably have hand, foot and mouth disease. And we mm. were talking about that earlier. That's a pretty... Nasty looking thing mm -hmm. too. My son had it and then my husband caught it too. Oh. So I think my husband was actually more sick than my son, mm. but my son had his huge rash like everywhere in his body. It started with a little teeny little one around his mouth, one, two, three, and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, you do a diaper change. Oh, it's everywhere. Of course, he did not go to daycare. We kept him home and... Uh, I would say like a couple of weeks after all where all those little um, bumps and all those little rashes were, uh, the skin kind of dries and break through and everything was peeling like off his feet, his hands, and even my husband had it too. Yeah. It doesn't look too good actually. No, it looks kind of scary, but it is just the process that it goes through. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned the diaper area too, and that's another thing. You know, we see it with children. Candida is a natural yeast in our bodies, but with an overgrowth, it can show up as that kind of red, kind of painful with a, you know, particular outline around it. And that's all that it, it likes warm, moist areas. So any little skin folds, you know, I know one of my nephews was that kid that had like nine rolls on his arm and, you know, and Candida those loved to hang so out. Cute, They're though. so cute. You just got to clean those suckers because yeah. Candida likes it in there. So he suffered a little bit, but it's benign. My son, when he was a baby, was around his neck and you know how oh, they yeah. don't want to put their neck right. up. They just like the neck down babies, you know? Yeah. yeah I had to stretch him and like, clean and <laughs> clean. <laughs> stretch the neck and clean and dry there. it well yeah. yes um well another little sneaky rashes that i've noticed too in clinic can be related to a particular food reaction or a drug reaction 
I like to use the example of this one patient that came in. She's about 14, and her, the way she talked about her rash, it was these um, started in her back, moved to her torso, got a bit better on the torso, worse on the back, kind of moved around. And the sides were like these patches. Some of them were raised. Some of them were kind of brown and red, kind of spotty all over, um, itchy. And, you know, we went through the whole, like, the whole list of things, we food allergies, you name it. And I just asked her, oh, I know she went to her medical doctor and he said, oh, it's ringworm. Uh, she tried an antifungal, didn't work. I think she went to a different naturopathic doctor. They said, oh, that's candida. Did an anti-candida program, didn't work. You know, by the time she got to me, she's like, well, this is probably not going to help. But then I asked, hey, have you been sick lately? And turned out a few months back too, maybe she had strep throat and took antibiotics. And she's like, but I finished my antibiotics a month ago. Well, some drugs, particularly antibiotics can present that way. It could be typically it's two to four weeks after you finish the dose, this type of rash forms. In her case, it, I mean, it can be up to a month. It's less likely. So it's one of those just let's kind of go with that. And it, we, we did do food sensitivity testing. She is a sensitive person anyway with food. So she's probably just a sensitive person with this particular antibiotic. The only treatment is like find that antibiotic and just note not to do that one again. So mm-hmm. it's those sneaky ones, right? And it's so uncomfortable, and then certain foods, of course, like like I said about these sensitive people, you might be sensitive to something called histamine. And if you eat a food, you'll have kind of that hive-like reaction. It's not dangerous, but just to sort of note when we talk about antihistamine diet or look at the foods that have higher uh, portions of histamine and to avoid those things. What kind of food... Uh, specifically, are you thinking? A lot of peanuts or tree nuts have high histamine content or even just certain proteins because histamine is an amino acid. It could react and cause that kind of reaction. Again, it's just a sort of a trial and error. I know my husband, strangely, when he eats cherries, his mouth gets itchy. And he's been like that when he was a kid. So that might be kind of a component there for him. And uh you could do food sensitivity testing as well to see if there are for certain foods that show up if you're kind of getting these weird rashes after you eat foods or trial and error. So lastly, um, two conditions I see a lot in clinic. And actually, I'd l- I'm happy to say that I've seen a lot of great clinical results as well are more of the genetic type of skin rashes or autoimmune. And we know eczema, the other name for it is um, atopic dermatitis. We know this so well, um, as well as psoriasis. I'm going to spend a little time talking about eczema because it's a very common childhood condition. Um, moms and dads, most kids grow out of it. Um, however, will have sensitive skin. So this is the kid you want to glob your sunscreen on, uh, careful to get behind the ears, all that stuff. Um, my son had it on his cheeks and it was, um, and a bit, I think in his, uh, elbow flexor surface, but he grew out of it. However, he'll, he's a kid that gets chap lips and all that where my daughter doesn't. Um, also they say it's genetic. So just check out if grandma's ever had it or mom. And, you know, we can start, you can start treatment, supportive treatment early. 
also those kids, usually this is a nice triad. Eczema are best friends with asthma and hay fever. So if you're going to have one, you may have the other two, especially a little kid. If you see that has eczema, maybe be on the radar for any asthma that comes up in later age. Um, and like I said, environmental and genetic causes are just this child has a more of a skin dysfunction in the barrier system. So the skin is such a protective barrier. There's just a little less high functioning than say a child that you know has uh, no eczema or asthma, etc. But this rash is interesting because we call it the itch that rashes. So it's going to show up. You're not going to see anything. It's going to itch and your child cannot help but scratch, 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 scratch. And then the rash shows up. The concern here, the primary treatment is to do our best to prevent the scratching. Because as you know, kids are in dirt, they're at school, they're scratching, it gets weepy, oozy, pussy, and then it can get infected with bacteria quite easily having an open wound, especially at night. You know, they might try their best or be playing and be distracted in the day, but as soon as they're at night sleeping, they can just scratch their little bodies raw. So keep those, keep those areas protected by clothing. Also, there's so many emollients, which are moisturizers out there barrier creams. I mean, there's a huge extensive list, of course. It's just a matter of trial and error and picking what is preferred. You know, I know we use neem cream or, you know, stuff like that, that may or may not work. It's just up to what works for your child. What's interesting as well about eczema with children, it, where it distributes depends on the age. So your baby, like I mentioned, common on the cheeks and the diaper area where things are kind of rubbed, you know, babies are always kind of rubbing their cheeks. And then preschool, now this rash ends up on areas where they really can reach and scratch at. So their outer wrists, ankles, elbows, knees, and they just will scratch like crazy. And even when the oozy rawness goes away, the more they scratch, their skin will become chronically thickened. So there are ways to treat that as well, but, you know, just be cognizant of that. And then with our older kids, because now we're running and jumping and getting sweaty, our flexor surfaces, like so in the um, inside of our ease and, uh, sorry, knees and elbows, their eyelids and earlobes and neck and scalp are quite common. I had one patient come in, sweet girl. I think she was older now, so she was early university years, but she's had you know eczema her whole life. And I think she was triggered to come in because she was, getting teased. She had uh, eczema um, down her neck, scalp, face, and above her shoulders, down one arm. So we did some food sensitivity testing, omega-3s, found a nice topical for her, just and a, a few other things that we worked through. And we got her about, you know, 70% better. So when you go for having that and just dealing with that, you're you know, whole childhood and having relief from scratching yourself. It was, it was such a gift. She felt like she had her life back. The hard one here, the next one is psoriasis. So with psoriasis, you don't grow out of psoriasis. There's no cure. It is autoimmune or genetic. Um, and this is like with a very strong genetic component. What's interesting about this guy is usually psoriasis will show up between 13 and 35 years of age. So you don't have it as a kid all the time. You may. 
it's a really distinctive rash. This is that, they call it silver skin. You get flaky and scaly and it peels off and it, and it is uncomfortable and itchy. So the rash starts first in this case. So this is the rash, rash that itches. So the rash appears and scratches. And again, with chronic scratching, you get that thickened skin and the only thing that we can do with this is really avoid the triggers. But psoriasis can show up between skin folds, the scalp, nails. Um, the nice thing about it, it rarely shows up on your face. So most people can hide the psoriasis. It's not contagious. I think education is important with both eczema and psoriasis to tell the teacher to have a conversation with the class that, you know, despite this maybe oozy weeping looking thing or silvery scale flaking thing, that they are not contagious. Kids don't have to, you know, it, it can really be socially devastating for a child to have these skin conditions. So just to have that conversation. Yeah, I think it's hard, right? When you realize then your friends don't have certain rashes or a skin mm -hmm. condition and you do. I remember when I was younger, even in high school, right? And I could I remember one girl who was always hiding her hands. She would always pull her sleeve over her hands. And I think the rashes were getting more often or like more pronounced. And a little bit of anxiety came with that too. I could feel her behavior had changed a little bit. She would even stay away from her friends sometimes, I guess, when it was quite pronounced. You yeah, know? I mean, it, it's socially disabling. And the sad thing is, the more anxiety you feel or stress around it, it's actually a trigger for the rash. Mm -hmm. So I think just communicating around that and doing our best to normalize it. I mean, it's very, like I said, eczema is very common. Psoriasis is a bit different because of the genetic component. But when you have psoriasis, you know, it can be flared up with certain medications, any sort of viral or bacterial infection. Stress, of course, and cold climates. So just to have a little bit of those tidbits, you can help avoid some of the bigger flare-ups. So psoriasis will flare up. Um, be It has to go through stages of like that silver skin, peeling off, and then it will calm down. So to sort of avoid flare-ups is the goal behind psoriasis. And so it will resolve, but technically it will flare up again. And phototherapy is usually the common thing to treat psoriasis, UVB light, of course, sunlight, but then there's the caution with exposing children to sunlight because of skin cancer. So it, it's tricky. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, but there's topical vitamin D analogs, same sort of realm. And with this Corticosteroids are prescribed now. Obviously, we won't. I won't delve into this too deeply. But corticosteroids are, can be known if they start at a young young age to stunt growth. You know, maybe a centimeter. It might not seem like a lot, but if we can avoid that, we would want to. Additionally, corticosteroids can result in like a thinning of the skin. So now you're losing that protective barrier. So I strongly recommend, because this is chronic, just to do our best with natural sunshine. Um, you can do, uh, we love this on colloid oatmeal. So you can go buy oatmeal, not the instant with all the sugar in, of course. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, get one of those coffee grinders, grind it up to a fine powder, a cup of that in a bath before bed can really soothe that skin before you go to bed for that child, because that's the itchy, itchy time of day more than anything. 
That doesn't plug your uh, your bath. <laughs> well, if you don't, I've had stories where parents are like, and this is my bad in early days. Oh, oatmeal bath. They buy oatmeal, throw it in their bath. You sh- I forgot to tell you to grind it into a powder. <laughs> it just sunk to the bottom. It didn't do anything. And then it was a hot yeah. mess. <laughs> um, so also, like I said, there's a lot of creams and products out there. Also, refined coal tar is available in a cream or an ointment. It can be a little messy. So it's just working with it. Like if you're going to have a big flare and you get result from coal tar, you just find ways to wrap it, you know, before you go to bed. I just want everyone to know that um, sometimes you'll want to do whatever to take this rash down and corticosteroids just kind of work, yay, right away. But there are other options, maybe a little messier, maybe a little more trial and error with what products are out there. But I just encourage everyone, particularly with their kids, to try it. And, And like I said, I can't emphasize the importance of the stress in both these conditions. I'm not sure if my mom will appreciate me sharing this story, but she had really bad eczema. Like I remember her always red and flared up and this and that. But when she um, and my dad divorced, I think I was 14, her eczema cleared up like almost 100%. Sorry, mom, <laughs> for sharing. Well, I, I think I think stress-related, yeah, right? Yeah. Obviously, it's one of the first, even with children, we have to evaluate the level of stress. They're stuff, absorbing yeah. our stress. Yeah. So I think you have to observe a little bit, like the behavior change or the, yeah, the, the, the physical change, the rashes, and yeah. and start looking. Is there anything actually in our home that has changed? Mm-hmm. Did my behavior change? Like how we doing? Am I how am I doing with my husband? You know, just yeah. ask or my my wife. You know, and if it's a stressful time, you know, or if it's something that comes back always the same time of the year. Oh yeah, it's tax time. You know, mm-hmm. my children has the same rash last year. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just throwing ideas out yeah. there, but I, we have to look a little yeah. bit outside the box. And I'm almost I'm a huge proponent for counseling, cognitive based therapy. I mean, I was a personal trainer for 10 years before I got into naturopathic medicine. There's no stigma with going to work out at a gym. However, somehow with our mental health and our feelings, there's a bit of a stigma. Like going to a counseling is like personal training for your mental, emotional health. I recommend it as a just a general, like I go for my little check-ins and things are going crazy and whew, get recentered. I mean, there are people out there, there's so much support that we should all, you know, consider that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to digress a bit and talk a little more about eczema. I get so excited about it because like we talked about how socially awkward it is. It's also just really painful and uncomfortable and it can affect our skin in the long run. And there's just so many wonderful things we can do because children are so sensitive. I would always check the food panel. What foods are they eating that they're sensitive to? This could be a flare of eczema. And it might be a good idea to see these sensitivity, sensitive foods, take them out of the diet for six to 12 months. Has there been improvement? Okay. Yes. Put one back in. Is the skin okay? Yeah. Let's try another food. Oh, flare. This helps us go, okay, maybe this little guy is just sensitive right now. And he might grow out of it, but we can provide relief in that very easy way. Additionally, digestion might actually be also a cause. There's um, a bacteria called H. pylori, and it's known to be positive in 70% of our eczema patients. This is this, you go to your doctor, I've got eczema, I want a urea breath test. If it's positive, it's easy to treat. What a simple thing to cross off the list. Also, I did talk about candida. 
I was part of the food allergy panel, the food sensitivity panel. I test for candida too. If that comes up through the roof, well, yay, we have something really strong and concrete to work with. And to, so avoiding the triggers for eczema and also just supporting a healthy gut through probiotics. And then fish oils, we all know um, and hear about fish oils and we do use them a lot for like brain functioning. And also they are like the fatty acid in the fish are so supportive for our skin. Um, vitamin E orally is important. I, with Fat-soluble vitamins, I would typically dose with children based on weight because with water-soluble vitamins, they're less likely to cause toxicity because if you eat too much, you just pee it out, whereas fat-soluble vitamins will get stored. So don't please just go out and buy vitamin E as my recommendation. Go see a healthcare provider to find out the right dose for your little one. And then again, I can't emphasize enough with this just to avoid scratching all the time. Did you guys have any family members or stories around eczema or psoriasis? A girlfriend of mine, it's been ongoing forever, and she's a hygienist like me, so the gloves, mm. the tip of her fingers, and she had to actually put gloves and then, like, cotton gloves, and then put nitrile, because I don't think so she could wear latex, but very, very painful, yeah. Oh, that must be hard with to even work the tools mm-hmm. when you have that many sometimes layers when on. It was, yeah, sometimes it was very painful. I don't think she, she could work. Yeah, I've had a couple of friends with eczema. I've just been counting my blessings that I've fortunately never had it. Like I've had hay fever and asthma. So mm. I got two of them, but not all three. <laughs> Touch wood, Heather. Yes. <laughs> knock, knock. Knock, knock, yeah. Well, all right, ladies. I think, Heather, it's time for a conversation card. It's time for a conversation card. Every week we like to play a game, not only for fun, but to get to know our guests a little more too. Nobody knows what the mystery card might ask, sometimes silly and sometimes serious. Let's find out what it will be this week. Can you pick one and read it to us? All right, question for today is, if you could, would you rather live in a boat or a treehouse? Can I go first? Yes. Boat. I actually did live on a boat. <laughs> Back in the early day, my boyfriend, my boyfriend at the time had a boat, so we did a tons of boating. We sent split but remained friends. And I was university. I was between apartments. So he's like, go live on my boat. I'm like, thanks. That was a good six months. I didn't want to get off. But it was illegal at the time. <laughs> <laughs> illegal squatting on a boat. <laughs> Major squatter. <laughs> I also would definitely choose a boat. I love the water. I love being on the water. I remember when my birthday is a few years back, um, my husband rented a boat for us for the day and it was like the best day ever. And oh my gosh, I just love, love, love being on the water. And we've, I've gotten houseboating before and it's been super fun. And been on a cruise. That was fantastic. Yes. So definitely, <laughs> definitely the water. <laughs> it would be the same thing for me. Definitely a boat. It's something actually I might do in my retired life we'll see but I really mm-hmm. like uh, the idea of being free you go where you want to and the water is your limit so yeah the pretty... ocean is like my spirituality if you will yeah. just being in the water yeah never mind on top of it <laughs> all right ladies well thank you Sarah and thank you Heather for being here and for your contribution in other parents lives helping us be the best parents we can be 
for our listeners. If you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the Contact Us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean. Or you can subscribe directly to this podcast on our website so you don't miss an episode of Parent Talk. Don't forget to rate and review us. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents by sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you everyone for listening and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.